Hello and welcome to Potaholics and a We Will Fix It podcast with Colin Thomas from We Will Fix It Dubai and myself, James Pikeway. And for the next hour, we're going to talk about things that matter and things that are important to your world of DIY, including how to keep your air conditioning in tip-top shape and some really cool stuff that's going on in the world of air conditioning. We're going to talk about how Colin saved the day at Creative Mornings and we're going to talk even more about trees. Yeah. It's a wild and wacky show. This is the We Will Fix It podcast. We Will Fix It, the podcast number 15. See, it is number 15, isn't it? Because last <laughs> week we did 13 and 14, 14. in one go, because yeah. you never do 14 whole. I wonder whether that's a normal podcast thing, James, or is, is that special to us? Can we can we trademark that? I think we can. 13, 14? Yes. Great. Are we going to confuse anybody who basically <laughs> looks through and goes, uh, why have we got 12, 13, 14 together? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think they just listen to the dulcet tones of our voices and go... Everything is going well. Well, the other thing is, normally if you're doing a double episode, it should be double as long. And it wasn't, was it? We were just on normal timings. Well, it's because we didn't want to do that 13. Yes, I mean, 13 is just wrong. You don't do it, full stop, without a doubt. And um, I'm really glad we did it as we did. But I was also thinking, you know, one of the the lucky things about podcasts um, and our podcast is actually we have somebody so ridiculously overqualified for producing a podcast Dr. James Pikeway. <laughs> and I was kind of listening to all various people on um, some of the groups I've been on. I've been recommending yeah. other podcasts oh, around yeah, cool. about, you know? Yeah. And I was kind of listening to them, and there was one where literally they were they were going backwards and forwards about the relative benefits of cornflakes versus um, crunchy nut cornflakes. Oh. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and, the, 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 you know, they were nowhere near the microphones coming <laughs> in and coming out. And I thought, actually, it's from a level of incompetence that I thought we were at. Thanks to your abilities on the sound and the editing and all the rest of it, we, we're actually we, a, a darn sight better than most, oh, aren't our, we? Our podcast is awesome, and the content is also awesome. So I, I think we we hit all of the the marks well, and exceed them. I really enjoy it, and you know, from what I hear, other people um, are enjoying it as well. So so much the better, mm-hmm. which is really good news. But James, yes, there is a subject that has been um, co- people have been coming to me with for um, pretty much actually, well, it's, it's kind of one of those constants. Um, and that is the benefits of regular AC services. Yeah, yeah, which is a huge issue. Yeah, it's an odd one because if you imagine... Um, well, I, 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 especially here in Dubai. Yes. And so we're in the Middle East. I'm trying to think back home. And in many cases, we've got so many expats coming from so many countries, you know, Australia, the UK, North America, and beyond. Where I don't know if regular AC servicing is such a, a priority or such a big thing. Well, if you imagine in these countries, they don't have the absolute extreme mm. conditions that we've got. You know, when um, when a, um, a manufacturer decides to produce AC units, they look at Dubai as being so far in the absolute extreme. It's almost like we will look after the rest of the world. And we've got to cope with um, the UAE and and Dubai's weather as well. And that's really where they're at. So even when the units are manufactured, we are right at the absolute extremes of what they can do. So if these units are not regularly serviced, then you are going to have major problems. And we're talking, you probably need to have a service, what, every four months? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends. Um, I think most companies recommend every four months, so three times a year is the standard. Now, what we found, and we're now, what, almost, a, in fact, I think we're over 140,000 jobs since we started here, um, exclusively in Dubai. Um, what we found is, actually, the honest answer to that depends entirely on what type of ACs you've got and how you use them. Uh. So, for split ACs, where half of your unit is on the roof, without a doubt, it's three times a year to keep that unit reliable. And the reason for that is simple, which is half of the unit is exposed to the elements. Mm. And whether you use it or not, that sand is going to blow over that unit, and it's going to create um, a choking effect within the condenser coil, which is the main unit that's there to get rid of uh, the heat from your property. And the condenser coil is that fine little mesh that's on the outside. So it's basically a radiator. Yeah, yeah. okay. And like a um, car. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Just like a car. So you have two of them. The evaporator coil, which is inside, and then you have the condenser coil, which is on the roof. Um, what happens is, over time, you've got a fan that's there outside. Everybody knows the fan yeah. on AC unit you hear outside. It. Yeah, you do. You hear it. And that is there to push the air through that coil, um, and the heat that was inside your property is expelled into the environment. That's basically how that works. Now, when the sand gets stuck within that, it no longer is able to push the air through as well, and as a result, it's less effective. If it's less effective, you're still saying, I want the same level of cooling. Yeah, yeah. So it makes that compressor work doubly hard to push um, all of that heat out, which means higher DWA bills, without a doubt. And it also means less reliability because it's working harder, which mm. means it's going to fail more quickly. So it really is extremely important that you get those units serviced properly. Now, serviced properly, there is a well, case I, in I point. get the little cards at my door all the time. AC, yeah. this, that, the other thing, experts... Usually on a piece of paper that is kind of dodgy to start with. Yes, understandable. But then the other problem is when you uh, ring one of the people who um, who come from one of these little cards, and they often turn up, and you're like, "Yes, but you have no tools." Oh, yes, sir. Don't worry, I can I can do this job properly. <laughs> they come out with one screwdriver. Now, the reality of that is you're you're paying for virtually nothing. Um, so what they might do is is wet the uh, the filters on the inside, and maybe if the, you're lucky, they'll go on your roof and, and and wet that unit outside. But that's not an AC service. Mm. Um, the the process needs to start um, whereby um, you split it into two. You've got half that's inside and half that's outside. So on the roof, you'd start off by um, uh, power spraying those condenser coils. Now, it do, can't that be dangerous? It for, can. Uh, yeah, uh, see, that's the issue. So you need a company that is aware that not only do you need power spray, but if you put too much power into it, yeah. you will damage that coil. So there's an experience there that's required. You know, in our case at We Will Fix It, all of our guys have been through uh, not only a, a three-year training course in the uh, in the Philippines, um, but on top of that, we retrain every guy that walks mm. through our door, and it takes months before they'll be allowed out on the uh, out on the road with our customers themselves. So they start with that power spraying process, and what that does is uh, it gets uh, all of the dirt out of the coil. The coil itself is quite thick, so if you don't use the correct amount of um, of pressure with it, then um, it won't clean it properly. It'll get the outside bit, but it won't get the main uh, inside bit as well. So it's really important that we start there. Next, gas pressures. Okay, so when oh, it's just yeah. sat on your roof, yeah. the pressure inside your uh, AC system is 65 psi, which is basically double a car tire. 
Wow. Okay. okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's just even when it's sat still. When you've got a compressor running, it goes up to 265 um, PSI. So that is, what, 10 times a car wow. tire. So it's running at extremely high pressure. So you hear the stories of um, people coming and topping up the gas. Oh, All the time. All the time. The guys go up there with the little green tank, and yeah. they've got their refrigerant measurement tools, and they plug things in, and you hear the... Yeah. And you see, yeah, and and they're they're looking. Oh, all, all good, sir. And yes. they're they're sort of measuring one side, I guess the low side, which is the uh, the non-pressured side, uh-huh. um, and then the high side, which is when the compressor is operating. So you're looking for with a split unit, generally in the in the Middle East, 265 psi high uh-huh. side, 60 to 65 low side. And um, now, if you imagine the the natural kind of wastage within a unit that hasn't been regularly serviced, would be probably a, a couple of psi, two or three psi. Um, that is rare that a unit would need that. If you've got more than like a two or three PSI drop, it means there's a leak. Yeah. So yeah. somebody is... So is, if they're topping up, you've got a problem. Exactly. There is a leak somewhere, and finding that is a really um, skilled art form. Mm. Next thing, that outdoor unit, um, you want to check to make sure that the gas is clean. There is a little um, site. Clean. Clean. Oh, clean. Yeah, clean and dry. So basically, um, the units over time um, can get water vapor into it. That's possible. Yeah. So we have something called a filter dryer, which is uh, there oh, to keep l- it. That little bucket thing that l- looks it, like a little oil drum. Yes, button. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, your knowledge is good. Oh, I'll tell you. Oh, wow. I spent a lot of so, time on the roof. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> those filter dryers, sometimes they can actually um, uh, leak. Uh, themselves um they, they must get corroded because they're if they're doing their job right yeah i mean basically um there are um units that are um exceedingly dry what are those i can't think of the word what's the word that they um uh, for uh, those little packets that you get uh, on packaging that they're there to keep something oh, dry that's right those little sachets you know what i mean the sachets yeah. which are um are particularly um i want to say Antihydrous, but that doesn't sound yeah, they, right. They get rid of the humidity. Yeah, exactly. Well, basically, that's what's inside the filter dryer. So oh, okay. over over time, um, then that will end up fully hydrated. Time to replace your filter dryer. So how long do those things typically last? Do you have any they idea? They do quite well. Yeah, they'll, you'll normally get um, anywhere between oh, probably five years, okay. maybe a little bit longer uh, for one of those as well. Uh, but again, they often need welding back in. So you need somebody right. who's got knowledge in that. that and then area. you can get a leak if you don't weld right. Exactly. The bead isn't good. Yeah. Next thing you know, you got a problem. Yes, without a doubt. So next thing is you've got um, the compressor there. So we need to uh, check to make sure that it's pulling the right amount of current. If it's not, then it's either due to the fact the unit's working too hard or the compressor itself has an issue. And to have warning ahead of time rather than just a catastrophic failure is really important. Yeah. The fan we do, spoke do of, they Do they tend to go over time or are they sort of that one-shot deal where it's just, boom, they're done? They tend, um, if you know what you're looking at and you've got an experienced technician, um, then no, they will go over time oh, on okay. the whole. Um, so, and again, we can give really good warning on that. It's something that we really like to do. So don't mm. worry about this now, but to let you know, the compressor does have an issue, but for the moment it will be all right, but be aware at some point you're going to need to replace this. When, when you tell someone that their compressor is on its way out, do many people opt for changing that compressor out right away? Depends entirely whether they own the property or whether they've got a, a, okay. a landlord. With a landlord, it becomes, unless they are one of the few that are proactive with their property, then they want to wait for that catastrophic failure, which yeah. is a pain. But then at that point, we've got a system that will will book into the system what that compressor is, so that when we get the phone call saying the compressor's gone on, on this one or it's not working, we're like, right, we're ready. And at that point, before... So you the, show up with the compressor instead of showing up, taking a 
look, getting the model number, heading off to the souk to try and find it. Exactly. And then it's two days later by the time we come back. And again, you know, we, we talk regularly about the we will fix it mantra of one call, one visit, job done. That's a mm. huge part of it. So having that level of detail available to us, um, ready to go. Um, so we've then got all of the, uh, the motors. So the outdoor fan motor that we need to uh, make sure is fully lubricated, make sure the fan isn't damaged, um, oh, as so well. What's, what's, oh, so how's this lubrication process work? Oh, that's, that's simple actually. Generally speaking, the, um, the units should kind of be self lubricating. Yeah. But, um, but again, what we do is we listen. Is it squealing? So it'll give us an yeah, idea yeah, of okay. either whether or not it's worn. Uh, at that point, you would grab hold of the shaft, give it a, a, a feel, see whether or not it's loose. If it is loose, that's another sign that you've got a, a fan on its way out. And we can say to people, you've got a noisy outdoor fan motor, it's not dead yet. But be aware that that is coming. And again, we'll take the details down so we're ready to go. So it's all about preventative. Definitely check the blades. Um, Those things go. Yeah, they do. But they spin at such a high speed um, that, uh, again, even if you have just a chunk out of one of the blades, um, it will then kill the actual fan motor because of the vibration that it creates. So um, really important there. So um, that's the large part of the process that we've got. We'll also check all the wiring, obviously, make sure we've got nothing burnt up there, make sure that all the cabling um, is fine, the isolator is fine as well. Indoor. Well then, um, first of all, the normal thing. So we'll clean out the uh, the filter. Um, secondly, we'll uh, have a look at the indoor fan motor to make sure that's uh, okay. Standard process for us is to also check the coils and ducts, make sure that the coils mm. aren't blocked. We talked a lot about that before. Yeah. Uh, and that the ducts are clean as well. And that makes sure that the indoor air quality for people is what it should be and that hopefully yeah. we can minimize the amount of respiratory issues that people have. Which is a property. huge area that a lot of people forget about. Absolutely. Well, it's really specialist stuff. Yeah. You need really good equipment. Um, you know, the stuff that we get is imported from the US um, to be able to deal with that. Um, so it is. It's it's high tech stuff, and again, it's part of what's um, uh, the difference between a, a quality outfit and a non quality outfit. Mm. Um, so that's there uh, as well. Indoor as well, you'd always uh, make sure that you clean out that drain pipe when people have water oh, coming through the ceiling. Man. Block I drain think, pipe. I think I get that often. about every. 18 months that drain pipe yeah. is blocked and i keep wondering there's got to be a way i can unblock this myself or do a little maintenance every month or two just to make sure that yeah. it's not plugged up yeah well the difficulty with that is you're dealing with um three-phase power yeah, um so exactly you know you've got 415 volts there that can kill you um and water as well it's the worst combination yeah. so i can't stress um, highly enough how important it is to go to a professional um rather than actually doing it yourself yeah, well, there you go. And that, that sounds to me like another wonderful question answered on how do you deal with your AC? So then, James, <laughs> it's been a busy one, hasn't it? What a busy week it has been. I, I want to jump right back to the phone call that I sent you about Creative Mornings. I just thought that oh, was classic. The we will word. fix it. You fix everything. So then, James, last Tuesday, 8.06 p.m., Can you believe that James, when he calls me, it's always the same scenario, which is either it's something to do with the podcast or alternatively, it's something to do with maintenance. (laughs) Yep. And I read the first line, which was emergency. And at that point, I was quite clear that we had a a maintenance issue. So I'm immediately thinking about, okay, well, I've got some emergency teams that are on hold um, for our essential maintenance customers. It's James, so I'll do my absolute best to get over to Murdiff just as quickly as we can. Unfortunately, I then read the next line, which was, it's not maintenance. And at this point, James, I am totally lost. <laughs> I'm like, what is he? What is the emergency that cannot be maintenance? There, there was a pause because you're usually really fast at answering. And then I sent it through and it's like, huh? 
<laughs> okay, so what's happening in the background is I'm having a conversation with Natalie, my dear wife, about um, about this scenario. And yeah. the scenario, James, was? So the scenario was, Creative Mornings, we have a speaker come in once a month, and Creative Mornings is a, a breakfast lecture series aimed at essentially the creative community looking more... It's aimed at everyone, really, but it looks at sort of the creative side of things that we do. So how are we marketing things? How are we advertising things? How are we sharing ideas? How are we putting forward ideas? I mean, that's that's the, the crux of what it does. And it's themed. Yes. And every month there is a one-word theme that speakers get together to talk about. And we, we typically get between 30 and 70 people. I think we had about 40? Yeah, I guess so. Seen right and, right. and people show up at about eight. They show up at eight thirty in the morning, mm. and it is a hundred percent free. And the idea, and and you know, people say, "Okay, so what's the catch?" I said, "That's the thing. There is no catch. We bring in a great speaker who tells a story based on the theme, and you get a chance to interact with them." And so we had a speaker, and uh, Mohammed Parham Alawadi was to come in, of uh, Wild Peter fame. Wild Peter fame, very famed for that. I was very excited about this, and uh, about ten minutes before I sent you a message, he sent me a message saying, "I'm really sorry to do this to you, but there's an executive meeting tomorrow that I have to be at. I can't be there." And I'm going, "Oh my!" So I'm thinking, "What am I going to do?" So you got forty people turning up. Yep, and no speaker whatsoever. Nope. On a very odd theme. Pre- preserve. Preserve. Was the theme. Okay, people. So preserve. What comes to your mind initially? <laughs> yeah, mine too. Totally blank. <laughs> Absolutely and utterly blank. Because you did say, well, what's what's the topic? Yes. So that was where the real, the, the, there was a, a kind of a, a, a quiet moment within our <laughs> WhatsApp discussion <laughs> where I'm having a conversation with um, with Natalie, my wife, about, okay, well, what, what what's preserve? Yeah. And we both drew just the biggest blank name to man. So you got a, a three letters back from me at that point, which was WTF. <laughs> and then you, you kind of came back to me with, well, you know, the great thing about preserving, it can be whatever you want it to be. And I'm like, I'm still totally blank. But, you know, going in, in my mind, obviously, when these things happen, and, and it, it, if you look at the last five years that we've been doing Creative Mornings, pretty much everyone I interact with at some point point is a creative morning speaker i wish you told me this before we met or as we met oh by the way at some point i'm gonna do this to you and but usually it's not a last minute thing you know and the and the 11th hour and and so someone said to me well how is it that people you know end up ultimately coming to creative mornings and speaking well because i get to know them and we speak so much especially doing podcasts or radio things that I know the people are going to be able to to do the story, are going to be able to put on the show, are going to be able to get up there and talk and do it. So it's just a natural fit, really. And I, so I thought, I know one person who could do it. Well, it's a really odd one because um, Natalie said, you, you are absolutely insane. What are you even <laughs> thinking about? And then when I really thought about it, I, I realized that I actually haven't put myself suitably out of my comfort zone in yeah. a very, very long time. And I think that it's a really healthy thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I also knew at that point, which was um, 8.06 at night, and by that time I had consumed at least one beverage. 
Um, at least one. Yeah. Yes, at least one beverage. Um, so that was in my favor at this point. Well, it was at this point because, I, you know, I was very relaxed and thinking, you know what, you, you can do this. This could work. Um, but I also realized I had a 15-minute prep window the next morning before taking the kids to school. Which was great prep because you sent me a, a fact sheet and I went, wow, this is going to work. That was literally 15 minutes worth. And the only way that I could do it quickly was not to spend too long on any preserve concept. <laughs> And just scattergun it for anything preserved that came to my mind. Um, so in in the end, it was the oddest scenario whereby um, I was kind of um, stuck with the concept of preserve um, and threw it into kind of, I think I started with, actually no, first that evening I looked at the uh, Creative Mornings Global website, yeah. which was taking a very um, environmental approach to yeah. preserve and the way that they went. But you were kind enough to give me that creative license to say, look, anything you've got on preserve is absolutely yeah. fine. And whilst we are doing some environmental work now and some fantastic work with them, um, uh, yeah. actually I saw Dustin this morning, you mentioned you've been in contact and we've got to get him on the show. Oh, He's really absolutely. up for that, which would be great. And um, it would be kind of fun because I, Dustin did a whole football thing with the EAFL, yes. the Emirates American Football League. And which is all irony given that he's Canadian. But anyway, hey, we won't go there. Yeah. You know, Canadians basically take over everything American anyway. <laughs> They're better Americans, really. Let's put it honest, you know? Uh, oh, anyway, moving swiftly on. <laughs> wow, did I just drop that one? I think I did. Um, but Dustin is also incredible within this um, his current role. Well, and, and what irony, because when he came to the UAE, he came here in, in an air conditioning. Uh, scenario, yeah. selling air conditioners and working with air conditioning units, then sort of moved into the EAFL and setting up this football league and still doing the football league, but now back into air, but from an environmental perspective with EnviroServe. Yeah, it's fantastic. So we're now working with him on uh, the reconditioning of refrigerant. Um, so Which I didn't the, even, I know they collected it, but I didn't realize you could recondition it. Like yeah. to me, this is brand new thinking. It is brand new thinking, but he's also the um, the the company has put in hundreds of millions of of uh, dirhams into this process. Yeah. Literally, when we tested it, it was better than the the virgin um, stuff that we were how, getting. How can that be? Well, because I, I didn't realize there's quality in these. Oh things yeah, as well. massively. It's due it's due to the purification process that uh, they're using okay. and the quality of. Um, uh, quality of oils that they use within the system as well is just outstanding. I mean, we're ridiculously happy, not just from an environmental perspective, but also with the quality that we're now able to provide. It's it's one of those where everything sits together beautifully. It is ridiculously solid from an environmental perspective. It's ridiculously solid from a technical perspective, and there's a financial benefit to it as well. Mm. So it's one of those which was a total no-brainer and a great guy to work with. So when you collect the stuff, and we'll get back to the preserve, but when you collect the coolant... When you're doing an air an air conditioning system, you don't just you know open up the pipe and let it go. You take which some people do. I I hate to say it, but I've seen people do this. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one that because that's illegal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is. It is that's very all, much that's full ozone destruction <clears throat> there. Yeah, it is, and it, it's something that's um, that's improving dramatically within um, within the UAE, and um, very much something that um, uh, that we're working with Dustin on um, to solve on a wider perspective, yeah. um, but really critical to the uh, to the long term of um, the the environment without so, a doubt. So when you collect it, 
you put it back into the container because it just, you know, you can reverse pressure pump not, stuff Not out. as simple as it sounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a very, very involved process. But I mean, then, um, it, then it's you take your containers back to them and then they do whatever they do with it. Is that how it works? Uh, kind of, yeah. Okay. But I mean, if you imagine, it's a lot more economic for those guys to be working with uh, the big cooling towers, ah, okay. which is where the majority of theirs ah. comes from. So part of the process that we're going through now um, is to work out a solid method for okay. um, that to be recycled. Because um, to date, that hasn't really been there in the URE, and we, we okay. can't be too confident about the methods that have been used. Mm. So anyway, I don't want to take okay. too much thunder away from no. Dustin, because we've got to get him on the yeah, podcast. We'll yeah, we'll get him on. We'll go. We'll go. In fact, I, I keep saying that I want to head over to their new facility. Oh, man, I'm coming with you if we're, going, if we're doing so that. So I'm thinking we should do that. Either. Yeah, yeah, Maybe we could do it there. I think we should do it there. Right, okay, okay, I'll arrange that with Dustin. Okay. Or you arrange it with Dustin, or we'll, we'll, we've got to do it. I mean, yeah. It's a no-brainer. Okay, so we'll, we'll sort it out and see what it, where it works with our schedules. And yes. Let's try and do it in a couple weeks' time. Yeah, absolutely great. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that'd be wonderful. Right, really be good. And I've got a long history going back with those guys. That When they first starting out in VirusServe, first starting out just dealing with phones and things, Yeah. that's when I hooked up with those guys. That's over 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So, and we've kept in touch all, all along the way, so... Oh, that it's is been, good. Yeah, it's been it's been a, a real journey for them. They're we'll, doing some great stuff. We'll definitely need to do that yeah. one. So back to Creative Mornings. Creative Mornings, <laughs> yeah. So the basic angle that I took was an interesting one where I kind of thought back over, okay, preserve, what does it actually mean to me? And the start point for me was actually uh, preserving my mental health. Which, which is what is, the way I kept looking at it is preserving yeah, sanity. Yeah. So the whole idea of, of, of sanity is, it's, it's lovely now because even three, four years ago, people weren't really talking about no. mental health as a, a scenario and i've got to say that on the whole i've been ridiculously lucky from from that perspective um but the angle that i took was there was there are plenty of times within my career where it has been tested to the absolute limits of what um of uh, of my own mental health i'm quite lucky actually my mother is a psychotherapist or was until she retired so i had always been aware of those triggers what it is where where my mental health has been compromised and what to do in those circumstances Hmm. um which is to keep talking most people go quiet and at that time you must keep talking it's really really important um so for me that that was the the kind of first angle that i take uh, i took i also then thought well um, preserving a business in dubai is something quite yeah. quite difficult to do and we've done that now for going on 12 years so um i i spoke in in quite some detail about that as well yeah. and then my biggest um uh, faux pas at the end was when i was asked you might remember when i was asked uh, about okay so w- what are you what are you doing now what was the point of this yeah and the actual um, answer to that was, well, you know, the, one of the great things is actually being able to participate as a father in your kid's life um, more than it being, uh, you know, late evenings yeah, and yeah, weekends. For and, sure. and these days, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky indeed that I'm, I'm not full, full time at um, We Will Fix It in Essential Maintenance. So I get to spend a lot more time with my kids. But I hadn't expected that question. So it, it hit me. <laughs> it hit me quite hard. And I got quite emotional about it. Um, but that was really where we were always going, both Dan yeah. and I, to spend more time uh, with the family. Um, as well as doing um, all the other stuff, which is what on. everyone aims for, you know that that work life balance yeah. that works. Yeah, but it isn't. There isn't a gold nugget there. What no. it means is your work life balance has to be so far off for a very long time to get to that. Yeah, and you need to stay very focused on the way you're going. Well, I think you had that one 
beautiful nugget in there where you said, look, I, I work a reduced work week now, yeah. but it's been 10 years in the making and, and you know, you traced all the paths. And I, I love that part a couple of years in where you talk about your sister jumping in oh, yeah. and rescuing everything because, and that was the golden piece of advice as well as if you're starting a business, get an accountant. Oh man, it's just a no brainer. And we didn't do that. Luckily, um, my sister is a, a, a very um, a capable accountant to say the least. Yeah. And uh, we realized on, I think it was a, like like a Tuesday, Wednesday night that we were right on the brink. Uh, bless her. She'd flown out by um, and was with us by Thursday morning. She worked right the way through the weekend um, and said, if you'd called me next weekend rather than this weekend, you wouldn't have had a business anymore. Wow. Uh, and she literally caught it that close to uh, to us going under and uh, set uh, brand new processes in place that we, we stuck to rigidly at that point um, to make sure that we uh, we didn't get in that position again. Wow, it's been critical. Mm. So the video is up. If one wants to take a look at it, I haven't had a look at it. <laughs> creative mornings. If you go creative, Google Creative Mornings Dubai. Creative Mornings one word Dubai. Another one. You're going to come to our link. It's the next video that's up. If you go on the global site, it's there as well. Fantastic. And uh, give it a look. Great it's, experience. Thank you, James. Well, you know what? Thank too. you. I got to yeah, say yeah. that the the questions and the response that comes after, and I think this is what you know. Someone said to me. In fact, my boss at the university said, you know, this can't just be a a pet project. And I looked at him, I said, this isn't a pet project. This mm. is bringing together the community and it is, it is, is motivating people to start thinking differently. It's, it's motivating people to, to act on things and, and to, to action what they're hearing in talks within their own lives. And, and I always love the fact that you get questions and, yeah. and you know, you're finished speaking, people come up right away. Yes. Really valuable and, and very unusual in Dubai. I must it say is, there was, it? Um, <laughs> there was, uh, and it's the quality of questions as well. Yeah. I love the fact that a lot of the questions were applied um, yeah. to people's own lives. And yes. um, you know, there were loads of people there. I was quite surprised actually. I thought uh, there'd be uh, more creative, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs. Oh, no, that it's full, as this, well. And this yeah. is, this is sort of, there's a, there's a, uh, a manifesto for creative mornings globally. Well, and the last line of the manifesto is everybody is creative. Oh, that's brilliant. So it, it, while they call it Creative Mornings, and it started on that way, it really is aimed at the community. And maybe a little bit of a nudge towards more creative topics. Yeah. But really, as you said, it's full of entrepreneurs. It was, it was some students and people who are well into their careers. And they ask questions. And I think that, to me, is what makes this thing really work is that a people are there at 8 30 because people often say can you make it later and it's like no mm. no because yep. mostly i need to get to work as well as anyone else sure but the so the people who show up there are showing up because they want to come yes not because they're forced to not because they have to but because they want to come and inevitably anyone who comes brings someone the next time they come they bring their boss with them and in fact i had someone who did that this time said yeah i've just got a new job brought my boss uh, yes she, I she to, young yeah. People. yeah yeah so they see the, the one question that i loved more than any other uh, which was from a, a lady who has recently set up her own, her oh, own business yes. and talks about the isolation yeah and it was it's the the most interesting of the uh, points that was made because for me there were two things that she touched on that were very different from my own experience which was uh, the first one was I have so much information that I don't know which way to turn and yeah. who to trust yeah so what I was saying for her which was exactly the opposite of when we started up where there was absolutely no information mm. and therefore you were just desperately trying to to find the internet wasn't as um 
detailed at that yeah. stage with information on how to set up in the UAE. Um, so we were very much searching for that, whereas she's now got the opposite problem of yeah. too much. <laughs> Which is a real big problem. Yes, yeah. And then secondly, she spoke about the fact that as an entrepreneur, when you're working uh, alone or within a very small environment, you feel really isolated uh, from other people. And how do you deal with that? Yeah. And um, just really, really thoughtful um questions throughout but i really like that one that's a really important one yeah. well thank you again for coming to do no, that no, it, was, no. it was a lot of fun it was i really enjoyed it and again really useful for me um just to keep me fresh which um is another important yeah. thing as an entrepreneur <laughs> without a doubt you've got to move with the markets and and keep yourself uh, as up to date as you can there you go so um I, I was going through my car for flyer this week and uh black and decker drills on sale let's have a look at that one okay so this is a um a black and decker 12 volt okay um cordless drill driver for 199 dirhams um as it sits so good news about this one is variable speed forward and reverse feature negatives uh -oh. um, first of all if it's 12 volt then yeah, i thought it, the 12 volt was a problem yeah i mean i stick to 18 and uh -huh. the reason being uh, that you get a lot more torque out of an 18 okay. volt and torque is basically the ability to turn tough all right tough so things. that's when you're really trying to drill into yeah. something you're going yeah. yeah and then the second thing is this one lacks a hammer action so oh. so therefore you would need a separate drill if you were trying ah. to drill into walls anyway and we get a lot of concrete here so this is probably not with the best suited device for us yeah but again um you look at power drills and now you can get an adequate power drill for home for 99 dirhams yeah so it may well be that that would sit really nicely alongside a, a power drill yeah. as well excuse me yeah. um and that could work really well for you so yeah it's um it's to a price point i really yeah. like the black and decker brand the other side is, is the shop great. vac it, no not that side underneath there we go oh black and decker shop vac yes it's a black and decker <laughs> shop vac well i do love a shop vac uh, we talked about shop and this before. one is wet and dry as I well isn't that nice? It's yeah. not the hugest one. No, but it isn't. 15 litre is basically a, um, a standard home one. But again, yeah. perfectly good for home. And again, 169 dirhams. Yeah. Look at these price points. It's just incredible, <laughs> James, isn't it? Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I'm an absolute winner with a shop vac, which is, yeah. uh, is very good news indeed. Tool of the day, the mallet. Oh, see, this is interesting. We're going to disagree on this one. Yeah, you don't. What, so, what's the deal? I've broken twenty of those in the early days, so I have moved on. Oh, what have you moved um, on to? Because I, I love to have a, just a little rubber mallet yeah. to just tap things. You know, a little bit of wood or. Yeah, it's just this one. It's the the bonding of it. Have you? Did you buy this here? Yeah. Okay, well, you've got one big benefit I've just spotted versus the ones that we were buying, which was, you see the nail that's just in yeah, um, yeah. in there to hold the um, the rubber part onto the wooden handle. And um, big benefit to that, really simple. Did you do that? Was that did it come no, like no, that? No, no, it came like that. Oh, right, okay. Um, the number of flying um, rubber oh, parts yeah. of mallets that we've had was just ridiculous. Really? So we found a brand now where basically it is bonded the Ooh, two sections together okay. and a resin handle instead. Nice. Um, so that way, if you imagine with a rubber mallet you yeah. there's quite a lot of reverberation that comes yeah. at you as yeah. well and also we go pretty heavyweight with those okay. so it would yeah, be quite significantly bigger than that one but i love yeah. having the rubber mallet now oh yeah i don't know how many times i've been somewhere where you know you're doing a little spot repair maybe you know and, and a great example would be somewhere where you have to hammer in some dowels on a yeah the, exactly the, the ikea furniture yeah cupboard faces yes and then what do you do you can't quite get it in you're hitting it with your hand you need a little bit more oomph but you don't have anything, so you get a hammer. Yes, yeah, and see, then 
Exactly. That's the point, isn't it? If yeah. you use a, a standard metal hammer in that situation on something that isn't metal as well, um, then you end up in a situation where there's a really good chance you're going to splinter whatever you're hitting. You really, yeah. you really need to get your weight absolutely right. But these are really forgiving, which is yeah. great. And um, you know, you can also use them, uh, for instance, on outdoor paving. Oh, um, okay. to, uh, to yeah, get those one, compacted. This down, one I've so. got might be a little bit on the lightweight side. Yeah, it is a bit lightweight for that. But again, um, no, all of our guys have rubber mallets within their their sets. Um, and uh, yeah, it just basically saves me in um, um, errors. Yeah, use your rubber mallet before you think about yeah. the metal one, boys. <laughs> you know, let's give it a little bit of give. But yeah, no, they're, they're great tools. This one is actually much better quality than the ones back in the day when we were starting out. Very but, affordable too. Like this couldn't have cost me very much. So I thought, no, no, even the the um, a really good quality one is only thirty forty dirhams. Yeah. You know, they're not expensive so for what they are. And I mean, I got to say, it's not something I use every day. Yeah, but that once or twice a year when I need it. I have it. Great. I'm very happy with that. The rubber mallet. Everyone needs one. Yeah, not not off. Good had, decision. Good had, choice, that. Had the boys come over last night to uh, bag the dates on my palm tree. Did you? Yeah, I did. I've gone the other way. Oh, you just cut them off? I got a guy this week. I've never done this before. Um, a gardener who, uh, my latest gardener is wonderful. Yeah. Um, and he got me a specialist in to do, uh, he, they call it cleaning, which yeah, is cleaning yeah. of yeah. The, um, uh, the trees as they go. Yes. So it hadn't been done in at least the four years that Ooh, I've been in the property okay. and more quite clearly. I have mine, I have mine tended to yearly. Yeah, that. I know. And we should have done, but I, uh, yeah. I've always been, and my previous gardeners had tried to rip me off and asked right, for okay. massive amounts, but he was fair this time around, so it was all good. Um, done an incredible job, but the amount of waste that's yeah. left, I'm still trying to work out how I'm going to get rid of it. Um, <laughs> but they look fantastic, and yeah. actually, it'd been left for so long, we had all sorts of bugs that were within the trees. Oh, yeah. That now, hopefully, they're an we ecosystem. Can treat. They're yeah, an oh, ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. So, it, big step forward. It was interesting. He was bagging my dates. So, the guy comes in, I, I give him a call, my, my you know neighborhood gardener. And uh, I, I've got the guy who just does my tree. Yes. So I'm my own gardener. So and every people come in, they're always like, oh, your garden is very nice. And they start asking lots of questions. Do you use a lawnmower? Do you use a fly mode? Do you use gas or electric? And, yeah. you know, how'd you trim those trees? And would you? So there, we, we then have the gardener conversation. But he's looking at my palm, my date palm. And he's going, those, those, that's very nice dates. Wow. But I can help you. Ooh. And I said, oh. And he says, next time when they start to grow, come up next year, call me right away. And I will I will trim some of the the what is sprouting, and you'll get double the growth. Wow! And I said, really? He goes, oh yeah, you've got to remove some of it. And he says, and I said, oh okay, I never knew that. And he goes, oh yeah, yeah, don't worry, I'll help you. That's great. <laughs> See, ours ours are pretty poor quality um, okay. as it sits, and uh, the last couple of years it's just been such a pain, mm. and the amount of time spent in the heat just getting them all off the um, the vines, you know. Just yeah. do you bag uh, them? Did you bag them? Or? Well, we did, back in the day we did, but yeah. then we got to the stage of just being totally yeah not interested in it because they're pretty poor dates anyway okay. so cutting them off early is very much the route we've done for the last couple of years mm. but next year now that we've actually got them all cleaned up and they took a huge number um, of limbs off as oh, well yeah. so i'm hoping next year maybe it will be worth it but we'll wait and see it's the cleaning phase of mm. those dates and you know i always wondered why are they so expensive when you go and buy them well i i noticed in, in mine you can't really get them wet when you're cleaning them yeah. because if you do they absorb all that moisture yes, yeah so it's all it's hand cleaning yeah i don't have no idea how the professional operations are doing it but they must have just lots of people in there cleaning them by hand i wonder if you do it quickly i mean that's a that's basically a um yeah. a, an osmosis scenario isn't it yeah. so i wonder if you um, if you sprayed them quickly and dried them quickly whether or not that would get around the issue I, I remember one year 
they were, you know, I, so I used to go and get my own dates off the plant until it got too high and I didn't want, I didn't have a ladder tall enough. Yes. These guys came yesterday with, uh, it must have been a 10 foot extension ladder. Maybe it was higher than 15 foot, but two 15 foot pieces. They didn't have to extend it. It fit right up on the tree, wow. which was, yeah, I know that's what my I said. My guy did the whole traditional oh. rope thing. Okay. It was incredible. Man. Big, thick rope. Yeah, yeah. Up he went at the speed of light. It was quite clear this is all he does, and he does yeah. it exceptionally well. Well, when the guys are good at it, and they're, as they're trimming stuff out and they're pulling stuff out, they yeah. do it so fast. I know. Well, you know, I was I, I paid what was it, 100 dirhams a tree, I think was, was yeah. the rate that he quoted me, which I thought was fair. Yeah. And then uh, you see the amount that comes off and them dragging all of that over to the agreed area. I, I yeah. thought it was an absolute bargain at that. Very happy. So I, I think it's kind of cool. So, yeah. So there we go. So that was kind of fun. But uh, what was interesting was they were doing this at night in the dark. Wow. <laughs> this is what I said. The guy, I called him up and I said, you know, we could come tomorrow. And he goes, oh, I'll come after Iftar. And I yes. went, and, I, and so it's, you know, it's eight o'clock and I'm thinking, ah, he's not going to come. I'll just call him tomorrow yeah, and remind yeah. him. No, no. Doorbell rings, 830. And Phenomenal. so I've got perimeter lighting on and all that. Yeah. But still, he's climbing up the tree. Amazing. And I'm thinking, you don't know what's in the tree. Yes. <laughs> he must be hardened to all sorts. Oh, yeah. I, I thought I, that's I kind of what he, uh, what he works on on the whole. Yeah. So, have you given any more thought to the narrow gauge rail system made out of uh, wood that we can put in our backyard or the the roller coaster? Lots of thoughts, and I've come to the conclusion that you're nuts. (laughs) Don't you think it would be fun? Just a little loopy. I'm not talking roundabout. I'm just talking something that we can get a little height and then go down, and kids can have fun, and we can make this work. I mean, I think the concept is brilliant. But then I watched a few YouTube videos (laughs) and see what is actually involved to not kill people. Yeah, yeah. And it's insane, James. It's utterly insane. But doesn't it inspire you? No, no. (laughs) You know, I think at at some point you've got to look at things and go, you know, in fact, you've got huge amounts of tenacity, so I think you could pull this off. But I always like to see, to be able to think about every stage in that process Uh and that end position, which is we're all good to go and and everything's fine. And then I was looking at the fact that um, with any kind of roller coaster and in the uh, northern America where this kind of thing is probably a little bit more prevalent, um, there are rules and regulations. Absolutely. So for instance, um, uh, uh, not only do you have the wheels to go on the track itself, but you need to have the additional wheel going underneath to hold it to that track. Exactly. Um, And that can't be that hard to make. No, no, that is that's a purchase job and a huge amount of welding these days rather than we talked welding. Track. We talked welding on the show. I know, but you I see? also said I've never done it before, and your knowledge is arc welding from, from the arc. So I'm thinking of something a bit more feasible. Yeah, okay. But I tell you what is a bit of a problem after I waxed lyrical about my wonderful bar that I've created yeah, out yeah. of pallet wood. Yes, I went to look at it the other day and oh my word, Uh-oh. do I have a lot of twist that's come into that. What's because, happened? Well, it's just because the wood itself is still so green and oh, when, when I put it together yeah. that as I've uh, as it's gone, it, I've got all sorts of ripples in it. So I've got a lot of work to do when it cools down a bit. So how do you, how do you fix that? Right. Well, I've got a couple of couple of different ways of doing it. It actually looks really... So, the, so back up for a second. This is uh, you, pallet furniture that you've used yes. and you've created a pallet furniture bar concept. Yes. Yeah, so the pallets, a lot of the pallets were pulled apart. I mean, used it i mean it's a big unit it's four meters long wow. and will sit eight people easily um but it is almost all except for four of the 14 pallets were pulled completely to component form to okay. build um uh, to build the bar 
Um, but uh, quite clearly, I, le- I didn't season the wood beforehand because I wanted to get on with the project, and it, oh, they were new pallets. Yeah, okay, you got to do. So, you got to season the wood. Yeah, exactly. So um, error, well done, me. Um, and I've got a couple of different ways I can do it. I can either completely refinish the top surface, and I've got the. Um, Sounds like a good yeah, idea. that could work. Um, or alternatively, I really like kind of the, the gnarled finish, but it's not yeah. practical for eating on because everything will go everywhere, and yeah. you know any kind of glass will not sit. Um, flush. Right. So the other possibility is to buy a tempered piece of glass, put ah, that over the top of it, and yeah. and that would solve the issue. So I need to look at it in more detail. I think I also need maybe one or two more supports. Um, okay. At the time, I, I had a baseboard underneath the top surface, which I, I kind of herringbone planked. Okay. Um, which uh, at the time they only had uh, like a uh, something like a fifteen mil exterior grade MDF, um, and I really needed twenty two, but I. I decided because I was going to sandwich it in effect with the herring bones that that yeah. would give the added strength. Uh-huh. I don't think it did. So Really? Yeah, I either need additional support as well. I might just shove another leg in um, in the middle of the table just to try and get it to, um, to That's going to crop up the chairs, bit. though. That's going to make a problem for the... Yeah, but if you imagine, because I've got four either side, I could go two and two either side okay. of that leg. So it is a compromise, and if I was doing it again, I would have held firm with my purchasing department to say find me 22 real exterior grade yeah. which i probably should have done but i didn't now if, if you've got a little bit of bowing on the top and you want to put a glass tempered glass piece on yeah. top is that gonna it's not gonna sit flush no well the plan would be to raise it up slightly ah, okay. so just and, then, little, and then use um like a little rubber legs yeah or exactly little rubber legs on it to get over that bow effect right. and then um, well, that would be nice yeah just all you do is shave the um the size of those legs to account for the bowing in the different areas yeah. and um and make sure that it's it's flat and flush yeah, that'd be very that sounds really nice that might be the easiest way of doing it but that's got the most expense and the least <laughs> amount of effort and you know from that perspective <laughs> it's gonna be no fun mind you i haven't told you james i've had an internet week what? Well, see, first of all, I was um, I was just uh, Friday morning. I was cruising through the internet as I often do when I'm still a bit sleepy. Yeah, and um, I found a mesh um, uh, internet system. You know these. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, the mesh for those people who um, who don't know is is basically just like a router. And in my place, I had a router and two extensions. Okay, but the extensions take half of your bandwidth away from the main unit. Right. So the way a mesh works is you get a hundred percent in all locations. So a gentleman was send, uh, selling one second hand and um, nice. uh, for a very very decent price. So I did the logical thing before we really thinking about it. I said I'll have it. And then I thought I'd have a chat with the uh, the British Daz of Dubai, as I often do, to say, does this actually work? This but is after you bought it. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I'm fully committed. I'm fully committed at this point. And luckily, the answer was yes. Okay. So it's all gone ridiculously smoothly, and it is better, but I do have a problem getting the, um, the uh, units to, to reconnect mm. easily to it. So I've got a bit more work to do, but it's noticeably faster, which is good. Which is a huge issue that we face because of all the concrete. That yes. we've got in our yeah. in our buildings here. Yeah. So if you've got your your main router downstairs, then you've got to have another one upstairs. You got to have connector units all over the place. Yes. It's yeah. crazy. And then if you want outdoors, yeah, that's a whole other mess. Yeah. So I, I've kind of got it all worked out now from that perspective, which is good. But again, um, connecting um, automatically to the network is proving slightly difficult right now. Mm-hmm. So that was the start point. Now the next one, which I'm hoping my dear wife is not listening to, is. 
I've got the most, well, it's, it's a good barbecue that I've got at home. Yeah. But it could always be improved. Of course. And it came online on Saturday morning. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's uh, like a fully professional, full stainless steel number um, with, uh, well, I think it's got seven or eight burners on this one. Uh, um, and uh, But it came with its own teppanyaki unit. Really? Yeah. You can see it afterwards. It's <laughs> literally 50 yards away from us. I'm not brave enough to take it home yet. <laughs> And um, it, was, it was going for a song, so I had to have it. So I've bought that, but I haven't declared it yet. So I'm not sure how I'm going to break this to um, to her indoors, but it was such a great idea. And all the guys in the shop are like, oh my world, this is just brilliant. So I'm kind of thinking maybe if we do it en masse, we'll all go and see, because I'm not brave enough to tell Natalie myself. And if she's listening to this, I'm done for. But uh, that teppanyaki unit is a whole new world. Oh, yeah. you got to have a teppanyaki unit on your barbecue. Well, I never even thought about the need for a teppanyaki unit until it's right in front of me there and then with a gentleman yeah. selling it. Yeah. Um, but again... It and it's all the things you can cook on that. Suddenly, your barbecue is now 50% more active. Yes, but it also came with one of those hot plates as part oh, of it separately. Oh, man. But this actually is, could be a bit of an issue for the simple reason that what can you not do on a hot plate unit that you could do on a teppanyaki yeah, unit? Yeah. And that's going to be her argument, I know, uh, apart from the fact you've already got an absolutely massive barbecue <laughs> that you've spent the last four years upgrading. So why would you need another barbecue? And that's going to be one of those things that I'm just not going to have an answer to, James. Well, so. well, when she's out, can't you move out the old one and put the new one in and, you know, bring the other one a couple doors down to your, your best bud? She's so perceptive. No, she noticed. I'm literally, literally, she walked in the house, she'd smell it before she even saw it. So I am, I know that I'm in trouble, but it's worth it. It's mm. one of those where, you know, it's one of those beg for forgiveness, do not ask for permission. <laughs> So then, people, if next week the subject matter of our podcast is divorce, you know why. <laughs> On that note, we're going to wrap up yet another podcast. Colin Thomas from We Will Fix It Dubai. Looking forward to doing this again really soon. Always. You've been listening to the We Will Fix It podcast with Colin Thomas from We Will Fix It Dubai, wewillfixit.com, and myself, James Pikeway. If you want to get in touch, drop us an email, potaholics with a K at gmail.com, or hit us up across the socials, potaholics with a K. We love to hear from you. We'll be back again really soon with another episode. Until then, so long for now.